Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, Monday, August 16th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Countdown continues. We've got game times. If you missed that, check out uh, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. The game times for all the games this season have now been posted. We got the schedule a couple weeks ago. Now we've got the schedule and start time. So I uh, can start to really kind of shape up your fall, winter, and spring calendar uh, with the times included at this point. Uh, we've been counting down the days, and we've been talking to some people from ESPN. We spoke to Emily Kaplan on Friday. And also Friday afternoon, I had a chance to catch up with ESPN hockey analyst. He's been there a while, Barry Melrose. Here's the conversation I was able to have with the longtime NHL broadcaster and former coach. Joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily, I'm excited to talk to him from ESPN and out of Kelvington, Saskatchewan, the number 36 overall pick in the 1976 entry draft by the Malahabitant, the Montreal Canadiens. It is Barry Melrose. Barry, how you doing? I love it when you speak Spanish. <laughs> you got drafted to Montreal. Did you have to learn some French? Uh, well, actually, in Canada, you probably know this, that we all have to take it in, in school. Uh, in high school, so yep. uh, I took four years of high school uh, and uh, didn't really learn the language. Basically, we taught sports. The French teacher was a real Montreal Canadian fan, so uh, and the Expos fan, so he just wanted to talk sports all the time. So I never really became uh, bilingual in French. But what what could happen is I could end up doing a conversation in French if I had to. So you know that that is, that is as far as I got with the French language in in Canada with the uh, educational programs up there. That's great. Enough to get by. You played in the Enough NHL 300 games back, and you played for some really cool franchises. You played for Winnipeg, Toronto, Detroit. You get drafted by Montreal. I mean, some really cool uh, – you're like the original Six King. I, uh, I, I, I do like the teams I played for. Uh, they have a lot of history. They've got a lot of background. Not all, not all of the background was good. You know, if you look at Winnipeg, uh, you know, obviously uh, that was part of the worst team ever. If you remember, that's what the mm-hmm. that through that year, I ended up going to Toronto, and they were terrible at that time. But we made the playoffs. Uh, I, I was in the old original 21 team league, so uh, when they had the top 16 make the playoffs, that was pretty cool. They only tried it once, I believe. And uh, all, all the teams, uh, the top 16 teams made the playoffs. We were 16. The Islanders were one. Islanders beat us three, three out of five. That's the first round was three out of five. So it was a real funny time in sports. They would try things. And, and uh, you know, and then obviously Detroit, they were rebuilding also. But, uh, you know, I, I got to see the ground floor of a, a franchise that was going to be good for a lot of years. Hey, Barry, you know, it's interesting because that used to be the notion with the NHL. Nah, everybody makes the playoffs. That's no feather in your cap. Well, it's a 32-team league all of a sudden now, and only half the teams make the playoffs. And if you're going to make the playoffs and actually do some damage, a GM's got to be damn near perfect, doesn't he, in a lot of ways? To, and you've got to incur some risk to build a roster. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm also going to say that that was my argument whenever people gave us that. Well, yeah, everybody in the NHL makes plans. And it was funny when it was guys at ESPN giving us that line because <laughs> really the percentage is worse in the NBA. Uh, because they had more teams making the playoffs than the NHL, but everything. Oh, the NHL, everyone makes playoffs. You guys just look at your own. You just look at your own league. You guys uh, have more teams make the playoffs than the NHL. So that argument does not matter. But that it didn't really matter anyways because it was the NBA. But uh, it. Uh, I always laughed at that. That 
uh, more uh, more teams made the playoffs in the NBA than the NHL. Yet the NHL got the the stigma of, of all these teams making the playoffs. So uh, that's that's probably it, though because the, so, the NHL, if you make the playoffs, you got a chance to win it because you know there's yeah, parity yeah, in that league. We see that every year. Yeah, uh, where teams make the playoffs. Uh, with a real low seeding, and not only do they make the playoffs, they have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. So, uh, you know, that happens every year without a doubt. Yeah, we saw it this past year again, where uh, the, the team that we started off the hop with, with Montreal Canadiens and being led by Carey Price, you know, they finished with the 18th best record in the league, Barry, and they marched their way right to the final. And I, I was stunned. I, I didn't see them, A, getting past Toronto, they just absolutely destroyed Winnipeg and, and swept them, and then they get by the Vegas Golden Knights. They earned their way there, didn't they? Oh, without a doubt. That that, that was one of the best stories uh, with, with uh, what Montreal did and how everybody, like, it, all of a sudden uh, time got turned back and, and carry, uh, uh, everybody be, became themselves. Uh, they became young again. And, and Shea Weber became young again and, and one of the best defensemen in the NHL. He wasn't nearly uh, as good the last few years as he was during that playoffs. And he was playing hurt also. It's funny what motivation and, and character and passion and energy, it, it, when you put all those things together trying to make a playoff spot, you overlook a lot of injuries and a lot of things that are happening to you and your team. But, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a uh, guy's uh, uh, Dano. Uh, you know, I, oh, so what good. a player he turned into. <laughs> He was winning sixty percent of the draws, seventy percent of the draws. That's crazy. That that uh, you know he made himself a lot of money in the playoffs. And uh, the guy can't guy doesn't get points, but he certainly does a lot of the other things. He shuts down the other team's best player, no doubt about that. So that that was another one of the good stories. Uh, uh, to know how he turned into just such a such a star. Yeah, Barrett, in today's game, you need a guy. I, I always talk about this here on the podcast that. The game's cumulative. Preventing goals is just as important as scoring them. This is not the NHL in the 1980s. No, it's a, it's a defensive, uh, but every league is defense. You know, yep. especially in the playoffs. A, you got to be able. You got to be able to shut down the other team. You got to be able to, uh, you know, kill penalties. Uh, you've got to be able to, you know, have a good power play. Uh, you've got to be able to with the, the snipers nowadays. You just you can't give up shots in the middle of the rink they got to be from the side uh and it was you know it was it was fun it was fun hockey because of all those things happening all the chess matches that that were happening and you know when when the oilers were they, we knew the oilers were going to win you know, you know they were just too good when the Anders are winning those four four games you, you knew they were going to win they nobody could beat them and now we don't have that in in, in our game at all anybody can be upset uh, at any time and uh, you know, young guys, uh, young guys get on the stage and, and they're ready to play and, and ready to be big, you know, big uh, minute eater uppers that can can play in the playoffs and, and change a team around. And uh, we, we saw that happen uh, with uh, two or three uh, teams in the playoffs that all of a sudden they became excellent teams and dangerous teams. Yeah, when you look at Tampa and the amount of talent that they put on the ice, to put aside that they were $18 million over the cap, that Julian Breesbaugh did a, a good job and, and exploited a loophole. You, you don't fault a GM for doing that. You'd fault him if he didn't do it, matter of fact. Uh, but the, the talent that that team put on the ice, can that team, that Tampa team from a talent standpoint, rank up there with those Islander teams, with those Edmonton teams? Maybe not to that degree because the game's different, but just what they threw out there with Kucherov and Point and Hedman and 
a lot. I mean, just Stamkos, up and down the lineup, they were just unbelievably talented. Well, we, we can look at uh, – and, and here here is an argument I would make and, and that why Tampa Bay does match up with those teams that, that won four cups and, and five cups. Uh, Montreal, the cups they won. They, they never once had, had the, you know, the best player uh, in the league. You know, the Islanders are great, but they never – you, you, you know, you can't say they had the best defenseman. Danny Potvin was right there, but the, there were other good defensemen. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody can say that uh, Hedman was not the best defenseman in the game. Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the game. Yeah. Uh, did, uh, did teams in those eras have the best goaltender? Yes, Billy Smith did. He was, he was arguably the best defense and, and the best forward. Uh, you know, Kucherov was the best forward. I, I, I can't believe someone could make, try and make an argument that he wasn't the best forward. You just saw when he got on the ice, when he came back, he, he was like a man playing with children. He was he just had the puck all night long, and he got that power play going, and they were snapping that thing around, and all five guys touched it, and uh, we threw a little uh, sweet George Brown out there to let everybody get happy, and uh, it was they had they had arguably the three best position players in the world right now, and and. Uh, and I, I don't think many teams that won the Stanley Cup in the old days, you know, could argue that they had they had the best, you know, the best uh, three players, the best three possession players in the NHL. And they're well coached too. Look, I just see like some of the plays they make, like a guy like Gucherov, he doesn't pass it to a guy; he passes it to where he's going. Uh, just little little touch passes, lays it off. It's just it's a beautiful game to watch. Let let me ask you about coaching the best because. You coached Wayne Gretzky. We talked about Carey Price and players that are that good and that dominant can just get into the opposition's head. It's almost the Tiger Woods type thing where they got you beat before the pl- before you even play them or you try to exploit them. Uh, but coaching a guy like Wayne, I-, I imagine that's in a way it's difficult because he-, he can't explain why he can do what he does. It's all instinctual and just raw talent and you know, he's put the work in, but what's it like coaching a guy of that magnitude with skills that are just beyond parallel? Well, the best, the best part of it is you get to see it every night and, mm-hmm. and uh, you get to see that talent in front of you every night. And you got to see it in the tape room uh, two minutes after the game, because a lot of times you just rush right off the bench and, and cap Raider, my assistant coach and I would look at each other. We got to see that because we didn't have the, the iPads on the benches, so we have to do it the old-fashioned way. We have to go to the dress room and take a look, and uh, you know you got you got to see that. And uh, the great players are like that, and, and Kucherov is becoming that because of the, the passing style. Like Gretz, Gretz would do that where he, he you know saucer a pass over a guy's tape for a one-timer, uh, over to Robitaille's stick, over to Granado's stick, uh, hit coffee from the point with a beautiful pass, a pull-up. Uh, saucer pass from blue from board to board, six feet in the air, landing flat for the one timer. You know that's that's artwork. That's beauty. And and uh, uh, when you have great players, uh, and not only you get to see them, you get to see them make other players great. You you get to see them start making other players do things they never once thought of doing. Now they 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 say, well, Gretz does it, and and I watch Gretz do it. And, you know, and then all of a sudden you're you know, without a doubt. He, Gretz made Marty McSorley into a very, very, very good uh, defenseman, uh, a defenseman that most teams in the NHL wanted very, very badly. And you can tell by the, 
the salary he's got late in his in his years, and that wasn't with Gretz either. That was with other people. So, uh, it it, it the, having the best and most talented player on your team uh, makes everybody better. makes me makes me a better coach. Uh, makes the defensemen better because they they have to get their butts up the ice to to create some offense from the the stick of these great forwards. And Tampa Bay's got that type of team now. They they hit the blue line, they curl back, hit the guy coming late. Uh, you know, the, the defense now are, are all Savard. Savard was scoring goals at the end of the playoffs. Uh, they got they got him yeah. to be a rock-solid defense, defenseman, and, and bang, all of a sudden he's starting to jump into the play and, and get goals. So, uh, but, but I think more so, and what John Cooper does really well, he knows his job is to put the players on the ice in the right situations. He says, I got these great talents, players. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to make sure that I've got uh, Kucherov out there when I should have him out there and make sure that he is out there when he should be out there. And, and that's my job. And, and uh, I thought the two years they've won, he's done a magnificent job uh, getting the best players on the ice. And yeah. uh, this year there were some guys hurt, uh, but overall the right players are on the ice. Uh, I think just about every time they were supposed to be on the ice. Yeah, it's like he's playing chess out there with putting his pieces on the board in the right spots. You mentioned Cap Raider. Boy, that's a blast in the past. I, first goalie school I ever went to was the Cap Raider goalie school. Way back in the well, You'd be a very hot uh, goaltender, buddy. I have no doubt about that. <laughs> well, those skills have eroded, Barry. <laughs> with time. <laughs> I had a beer league game last night, trust me. They've eroded a lot. <laughs> but anyway, um, let, let me ask you about ESPN. You're fascinating because... You were with ESPN when they had the NHL. You were you've been with ESPN when they didn't have the NHL, and you're with ESPN for the return of the NHL. First, let me ask you about the glory days first. You know, NHL Tonight in the '90s. It was. I mean, the NHL was massive. The Rangers win the Cup in '94, and just you know the, the camaraderie you guys had. Talk about what it was like working there at that time because you guys had fun and it came across as fun. It was a great time to work on TV um, because, you know, things, uh, you know, you, you could do different stuff. You could, you could take more risks. Uh, and, and you're right, everybody enjoyed each other. Everyone, everyone had a blast uh, doing the shows. Uh, the music is still famous. Uh, you know, we're bringing the music back. As a matter of fact, that's one of the first things that the boss has said to us is, hey, don't worry, the music will be back. Because it's nice to have a song that when you hear it, you know, hey, that was NHL tonight. That was that was ESPN hockey night. Uh, it's just great to have that that that, that music, and, and we're going to have it back. So uh, I, I think it, I think it's going to be great. Uh, guys are fired up in Bristol. Uh, we got me we got meetings coming up in, in uh, September uh, because there's so many people. You know, everyone's got they got to figure out where everyone's going, and what they're doing. So that's going to be that's going to be an interesting matchup. Also, where where, uh, where, what part of the company are you working with in this this month or the next month or whatever? But uh, it's 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 going to be great, and and uh, I you know I wish uh, you know I'll be looking around down in the, in some of the rooms because I, I when I was when I first got there there was two studios, and uh, you know now I'm, I'm I know where those two studios are. Maybe I'll take a trip down there late one night, and uh, I'll see if I can see the ghosts of. Don, uh, of Meese, Tommy Meese, and and uh, mm. uh, uh, Anders, and and uh, the guys that we all know and love, 
I might be walking around in the basement and, and uh, maybe see these guys. Tom Meese was so fantastic. Uh, it's a great it's a great memory of uh, of him as well. Uh, being on ESPN, it, it's on in every sports bar. It is the the brand of sports in in the United States. This is going to be really good for the game, isn't it, Barry? To to take it to the next level, because the product. I mean, the product is great. It you just got to we got to get eyeballs on it. And to me, the way to really grow this game is to expose fans to hockey players because you know this. You played the game. Hockey players are funny guys, but so often when we put a microphone or a camera in front of them, they say we got to chip pucks deep, we got to work hard, we got to take away time and space. We need to expose that fun side of players and and the people a little bit more, don't we? We do, but it, that's got to that's got to come from uh, from the players. That's got to come from from the players and from management because yep. the players are, are, are we're taught very early don't say anything stupid, don't say anything stupid, don't say anything stupid. So these young guys go watch some older players do interviews, and that's exactly what you see. Dump it in deep, pick up the guy coming late, keep your stick down. No bad penalties. Make it a 200-foot game. Oh, blah 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 blah. Yeah, boy. And uh, but but that's what they're, they're told to do. So uh, the NHL and and the owners and the player association, they all got to get together and let these guys show their personalities because you know they're a lot of funny guys. You know, yep. I don't think they'd ever let the NHL have Charles Barkley uh, type player. But that we we've got. Charles is the greatest, and I love Charles. But we got we got we got great uh, analysts uh, in the NHL and funny guys that people would love to talk, hear uh, talk, and and hopefully that uh, hopefully that the NHL will let uh, the players show that personality and the team show that personality. Starting to come, starting to come. But uh, you know, I think let's just open the doors and and have some fun with these great athletes. Yeah, and let them run through it. I mean, it's, it's why I was so angry when people were you know giving the Giving the gears to Kucherov for doing that press conference shirtless and you know ripping. Oh, that lights. was a great. I, I was like, was you asked for players to say something. He's saying something now. You're now you're complaining because he's saying something. So enjoy oh. it. I, I thought it was great. <laughs> he's not offending anybody. Nope. He's he's got a smile on his face. You can tell the people. You know, he's having a blast. His teammates are having a blast. No, it, it, that's something they should applaud. That's something they shouldn't criticize. But again. Now you wonder why a player. You say, "Well, how come the players don't uh, don't show them the side of themselves? Don't show the side of themselves. They get in trouble every time they show the side of themselves. So but they got to decide which they want more." Yeah, yeah, and I, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. And look, the well, game's supposed to be fun. Yeah, uh, Barry, let me ask you about the Flyers because uh, it's my contention, and I, I'm sure you're going to agree with this: that when certain teams in the NHL are in the mix um, and you know, a threat to, to make the playoffs, do some damage, whatever it may be, it, it's better for the game. And, and there's teams like the Rangers are one of those teams. There's certain teams that they mean more nationally to the game. And the Flyers are one of those teams, a polarizing team. There's very few people that are ambivalent about the Flyers. They either love them or they hate them, both here in Philadelphia or nationally. Um, what you, what you saw the Flyers do this offseason, a lot of turnover by Chuck Fletcher. What would you think of the moves that he made? Uh, I like the moves. I, I like the fact that they made the moves. Uh, they had they had to change things. Uh, Atkinson's a good player. Uh, obviously, you still got Couturier. Ellis is a good player. You got Giroux. Carter Hart signed a new deal. 
Kevin Hayes is a good player. Konechny's a good player. Provorov's a great player. Resselainen's a, a guy that could could become a great player. So there's there's some good bodies there, and I agree with you. Uh, the the longer flyers go in the spring, is good for everybody because they they are loved or hated, and and that's not a bad thing. And uh, you know get the get these guys in Pittsburgh in a nice battle or, or uh, you know, get the Bruins and Philly in a, in a nice battle somehow. Uh, that, that's the, the, the stuff I like. So I, I agree with you totally. It, it's, it's good uh, to get the, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers in the playoffs. And it's good for the Philadelphia Flyers to be a, a contender in the playoffs. So um, that's certainly one of the teams I always want to go a long way. And, and you know, the, the Flyers are are good with the press. The Flyers have always been good with with ESPN, and and uh, you know the, the more we can have those guys to talk and and our good interviews, that's good for everybody. Yeah, no question. Uh, what are your memories of coming to Philadelphia and playing? Uh, fear. Uh, I think uh, people don't understand. Uh, like it was, it was scary. I, I played in the Spectrum. I didn't play in the beautiful new. Uh, gigantic uh, coliseums and, and, and stadiums. I played in the spectrum and uh, there's no place to hide in the spectrum. And uh, you have to show up and you have to play. And it was, uh, it was taking your life by your hands, man, taking your life in your hands. Uh, I, uh, flyers and flyers and a team and a team got in a fight in between uh, dress rooms. What do they do? Put up uh put up a fence like from uh from it looked like it, it was like a, a battle movie from the in the future it's like walking tall it was like walking dead so they yeah. put up this big fence in between the, the two dress rooms so that they couldn't fight again they didn't they didn't get the players not to fight they didn't say don't fight they just said okay it's gonna be harder to fight now we've done our job we put a fence up between you guys so now you guys can fight again because uh we put the fence up everyone's happy and that's a, that's what it was like playing in Spectrum. So uh, it was it was a it was a tough place to play. It was a tough place to play, no doubt about it. Uh, and there was no fence on the ice, so you couldn't hide out there. You couldn't hide there behind no a fence. fence. You were one of those guys who didn't there want to throw. No there were no rules. There, there was no nothing. It was battle. It was a battle royale uh, every time you played. And Philly was smart. They they knew the type of team they had. They didn't they didn't sugarcoat it. They didn't they didn't try and say they didn't have this type of team. It's you knew what was going to happen in Philly when you went there, so that's uh, that's that's the way. Those are my memories of uh, of the Spectrum. Um, one of the guys I work with, Bill Meltzer, works uh, on the digital side along with me. Said, "Ask Barry about playing with Paul Stewart in Adirondack." Uh, now, Paul Stewart became a very long tenured referee in this league. Yeah, what was it like playing with Stewie? Stewie was the greatest man. I'll, I'll tell you, Stewie grew up in Boston. He was, uh, uh, no one ever thought he'd ever play in the NHL. And uh, he said, he said, when I have my play my first game in the NHL, Barry, I'm going to get in three fights that night, depending who's in the lineup. One's going to be O'Reilly, one's going to be Jonathan, and one's going to be, you know, I, I, I can't think who, uh, who else uh, would be on, on that team, maybe Winsink. He said, I'm going to fight each one of them. I'm going to have three fights at the end of the night the three toughest guys in the Bruin lineup. And uh, a lot of guys didn't know Stewie. Like, we, we all came from the WHA, so uh, they didn't know Stewie. He hadn't been in the NHL. And the, the league Stewie was playing in 
these bonus babies never played in the, in the East Coast League and, and uh, leagues like that. So they didn't know if, if this guy was nuts, which he is, or or that he would really do it. End of the game, Dewey had three names on the scorecard. He fought them all. I'm not going to say he beat them all, but he fought them all. And he he it was so impressive to see this, what he did in that building. And... Uh, but, but that's a true story. Stewie got three fights, his first game in the NHL uh, against the Bruins, and uh, it was uh, it was what a night, what a night. But that's a true story, no doubt about it. He had like a checklist he was going through on the bench. All right, I got that guy. Who's up next? <laughs> and he got it. That's exactly how it was. That's exactly how it was. Oh, it's classic. Uh, that see, those are the things. You know, the game today, Barry. Let me ask you about the game today because. You know, fighting is is very rare now. Um, one of the things I don't like is if he, if a guy puts a clean, open ice hit on a on a, a semi decent player, even he's got to answer for it. The clean hit is is a play in hockey. He shouldn't have to answer the bell for that. Uh, what do you think about the physicality in today's game? There's so much skill. There's so much speed, which is great. Uh, but a little bit of throwback every once in a while is not bad, like we saw in that first round with Tampa and the Florida Panthers. Well, they've basically taken uh, fighting out of the game. Um, you know, they can say that. Well, look, show me in the rule book where the fighting, uh, where fighting is, uh, is uh, you know, eliminated. We can fight. You can fight in the NHL. You can fight. In, you can't fight in the NHL. No one fights in the NHL anymore. The players don't fight in the NHL anymore. Uh, and and uh, you know that's that's the way it is. And and it's not going to change for any time soon. Um, you know, you get. It would take a group where the the owners, you know, there'd be an old school owner, and then he would get killed in the press, and then a coach would be killed in the press. But if he let, if he's, because you know what we're talking about is maybe you know a guy, uh, a guy give, gives somebody on the bench a little push to get over there and help a teammate out. Maybe uh, that would never be allowed today, and uh, yeah. and uh, the players would have to uh, say that they uh, they want the fighting. And, they're making so much money now, and, and everything is so good. You know, they they, they don't want any fighting. They got they got the world by the you know what. So, uh, I, I I'm afraid uh, unless the game changes drastic. I, I love the I love the the skill level of the uh, players. Uh, I love the speed of, of the game, but I I would like to see some grit. I would like to see some accountability. I would like to see some uh, I would like to see some guys having to pay a price. And I, I don't. Uh, and again, I, this line I've used for 40 years and still works. Uh, you, you don't. You don't see people leave during the fight. I, I've looked. I do it now on purpose. If I'm in, if I'm doing a game, and the fight breaks out, I look, and I, and and to see if people are leaving the game. And I have not seen a person leave a game yet when a fight's going on. So, but uh, but I, I think without a doubt, fighting's. Uh, 99% gone in our game, and I don't think we're going to get it back. Yeah, I don't think the people standing up during a, the, the rare fight now yelling and screaming and going crazy are protesting it <laughs> in no, the arena. That's amazing. Um, Barry, this was awesome. I really appreciate you doing it. I can't wait uh, for October to get here and this schedule to get underway and ESPN's coverage to pick up. Uh, you'll be up there with Boosh, one of ours, and uh, he's, he's so great and such a good guy, and he's going to be doing the broadcast with you guys as well. Best of luck with everything this season, and uh, we'll be watching. We know that it's going to be on, and uh, uh, hopefully it's a great year for, for everybody, and I know ESPN as well. 
Thank you very much uh, for the interview. And uh, anytime you want to talk hockey, give me a call. Thanks to Barry Melrose for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll be back Wednesday with another brand new episode. So uh, look out for that on Wednesday. In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll check you out on Wednesday's Flyers Daily.